Let's get stuck into the tennis. Uh, the last of the round of 16 matches today at Melbourne Park. Unfortunately, Alex Demonor's tournament is over. And, of course, as we always do, we talk to SEN tennis expert Brett Phillips. Hello, BP. Uh, morning, Jules. Uh, just entered. A little overcast. Uh, plenty of people here for... Um yeah, the second Monday, and yeah, we turn the page into week two. We do. Unfortunately, Alex Demonor not part of it anymore. We played an extended version of his media conference before. Look, he, as he sort of said, he played pretty well last night, but he probably feels he he left a bit out there, particularly with his first serve last night. Yeah, we were monitoring that uh, right throughout the night, and uh, that was uh, the regular comment, Jules. He needed to lift that uh, because, you know, Rublev is such a... Uh, a good ball striker, good returner, that first strike uh, back into play. And if you're offering him up a high percentage of second serves, it just gives him you know, the upper hand in the rally. So, yeah, it was the part that did let him down last night, which it hasn't been the case uh, during the summer. That's still the area that is a work in progress. I mean, you know, I think he's fastest serve at the tournament, 210 Ks. And of the players remaining yesterday, yeah, that had him, I think, about 17 fastest. So, he, but in saying that, it's not all about... Uh, the speed. It's about, you know, hitting your spots in the corners and just making the ball so hard to retrieve off uh, either side. Uh, just didn't quite uh, land it. But I've got to say, I mean, when he went two sets to one up, you know, we felt pretty confident. Mm. He looked good from our up-close uh, view that we have. He was running on the ground. You know, Rublev, obviously highly emotional player, demonstrative. <laughs> great and, to watch. You know, yeah, no, he's one of the great characters, one of the nicest blokes you'd meet in the locker room, but uh, white line fever when he crosses um, on to, into the heat of battle. Uh, but that's been part of him, and, you know, he's been a top 10 player for some time now, just can't quite crack that you know, quarterfinal stage onwards. But, yeah, certainly his response at the start of the fourth, when he looked a little out on his legs, and, you know, he was blowing hard, and, you know, he knows the demon already played him five times before, is just going to run him ragged. So, you know, could he stand up and... Now, then three love up in the fourth. You're playing catch-up. But, you know, Demonor felt confident he could reset going into the fifth, that he could, you know, down the stretch out where Rublev. But, you know, you're suddenly down a break of serve and then you're just uh, right behind the eight ball. And, um, yeah, he'd be disappointed, absolutely. Only win three games in the last two sets after two tough tiebreakers. But, look, it's the evolution of Alex. I know there was high hopes here, but... You know, the calibre of what's ahead of him in the men's game is darn good. And it's another year of incremental growth. To get to 10, can he now get to 7 or 8 in the yep. world? I mean, the difference between 5 and 10 last night is not that much no. for large chunks of that game. 5 to 1, there is a bigger gap, which is why Rublev's, you know, 0 and 9 in quarterfinals. Is that going to be... We were just talking about this before. I mean, obviously, there's going to be an opportunity open up, and Novak spoke yesterday that he doesn't plan on going out on top. He, he'll play until he doesn't think he can compete for Grand Slams anymore. So there's going to be that opportunity when Novak goes. But is the problem is, are we seeing the emergence of the next genuine dominant player in Carlos Alcaraz? And therefore, those chasing Grand Slam titles are going to have to get over the top of him. Well, that's right. I mean, you know, for Rublev and Tsitsipas and Zverev, you know, they've been around obviously a while and just haven't been able to, you know, capture that uh, maiden slam. Berrettini was in the mix. He's dropped away. Um, you know, Felix Orgeli seems slipped out of the top 10 uh, this year. So, you know, tennis moves really, really quick. And, you know, the players who are coming uh, in underneath, you know, they're just, they're really good. They're talented and they're fearless and they're playing a bit better. You know, they're hitting the ball bigger. So, you know, obviously we want to see some of those players not totally ruled out of Grand Slam contention, uh, 
uh, we hope there's another uh, another lift in their career um, once they sort a few things out and just work out how their game stacks up against these guys and what they've got to do to bridge uh, that gap. But, yeah, I mean, you look at Alcaraz up close, he's just an imposing specimen and on the tennis court, what he does, and um, he's got that air of confidence. And, look, Sinner's a really interesting one. He's been the big talking point here and has not dropped a set. Mm. Looked magnificent. Yes. And people wandering around, you know, claiming him to win the title, just forgetting there's a 10-time champion who uh, <laughs> has dominated uh, this court. So they do match up in a semi, which appears likely. Uh, this is the litmus test right here and now. Okay, Yannick Sinner, show us what you got. Can you beat Novak best of five at Melbourne Park? Because if you do... We're genuinely taking you seriously. You mentioned, you know, there's a lot of names there that have been around the mark in terms of Grand Slams and would have ambitions to win it and think they can. What about Taylor Fritz? Is he the sort of player that you can see breaking through? Big win for him yesterday over Stefano Sitsipas. Yeah, look, he, he's done a great job, Fritz, the last two years to become a top 10 player. You know, he's one of the hardest hitters. You sit down at court level, he is, you know, he is hitting with incredible uh, speed. Uh, particularly off that uh, forehand. And he's worked really, really hard on his fitness too because he's a bit sort of um, lean and gangly and, you know, not everything sort of comes together, uh, like uh, Alcaraz is an athlete. So he's had to do a lot of work. But Michael Russell, the former pro, acts as his coach and he was one of the fittest guys on the tour. So he's worked Taylor into the ground knowing that that's what it's going to take to win these big four or five set matches. I mean, he's look, he's 8-0, Djokovic against Fritz. That's the head-to-head. They met in the quarters of the US Open last year. I think it was 6-1, 6-4, So, last two sets, you know, it's a break of serve. Um, but, you know, he's got to be able to go the journey, particularly in those extended uh, rallies where Novak just wears you into the ground and doesn't make too many errors. But, you know, look, Fritz is in the mix, but it just comes down to execution on the day. It comes down to matchups. Uh, but he's a guy that, you know, is going to continue to feature, I think. I can't see him dipping too far the other way. He's had good people in his corner, including Paul Anacone, who coached Sampras and Federer, done a lot of work with Taylor. So, yeah, highly driven young man. Speaking to Brett Phillips, SEN Tennis Expert. Looking at today's action, Medvedev, Zverev, Alcaraz, all in action on the men's side. Uh, Medvedev up against the Portuguese Borges. Just a random question. Why have Portugal struggled to produce good tennis players, given they, they neighbour Spain, which has produced so many? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I can't think of too many uh, great Portuguese players uh, over the years. They're, they're sort of just forgotten, aren't they? Just dangling off Spain there at Jules. You know, obviously uh, in, in football, they're, uh, they're big and produce yeah. great players and coaches. And, uh, but, yeah, not tennis players. But Nuno, he's been around for a while. And, you know, he's one of those guys that, He's been a pretty good challenger sort of player and just occasionally you see a guy like that have a breakthrough in a slam. It just could depend who he gets matched up against. And, yeah, we didn't expect him to get through, particularly the win against Dimitrov, who'd been running uh, pretty hot uh, this summer with that win in Brisbane. Um, Yeah, but, you know, they just haven't uh, produced a a big production line of players, uh, the Portuguese. They have a great tournament, actually, in uh, Estoril, right on the coast there around the oh, clay nice. court uh, season time. It's one of those picturesque settings mm. you would get. They get a great attendance, trying to produce a few more players. Yeah, and as his chance today, uh, so up against Medvedev, you'd probably expect Alcaraz and Hercats to win their matches today. Uh, what about Zverev v Norrie? Zverev hasn't been overly convincing at times this tournament. Yeah, he's battled, hasn't he? And, you know, obviously there's a bit going on off court as well, uh, how much that's playing into the mind of, 
Alexander is hard to totally know him. And, mm. he, you know, he's, he's very good at compartmentalising. He's been going through this for a, a good couple of years now and still been able to play great tennis to rise back to the top 10 after that horrific ankle injury in, in that semi at the Roland Garros against Rafa. Uh, Cam Norrie, interestingly, we had Stephen Huss with us last night, uh, Wimbledon champ back in 2005, who's been uh, brought into the Norrie camp as a bit of a consultant. He'll work with him for blocks of the year, and he's just so impressed with Cam Norrie. He's had become a top 20 player the last two years from a guy that was sitting around 80, 90 in the world. Just great hard work, but incredible skill. And actually, in Stephen's words last night, he feels that there's more to add to the Norrie repertoire of strokes that we haven't seen yet. So... He's a bit older, but he's still a work in progress and might have his best you know, tennis results to come. Uh, he's had a couple of deficits in this tournament to come back from, and the win against Rude was outstanding. Gee, I can see five sets in that, Jules. They're, yeah, going to be um, some ebbs and flows, the lefty, the righty, and they're going to be swinging big. And he's got that beautiful backhand too, um, Norrie, that abbreviated, just gets great angle, uh, doesn't swing uh, fully, and um, yeah, it's a great, uh, great tool that really catches opposition players off guard. In the women's side, Victoria Azarenka first up today against Yastremska. Just on paper, the most interesting of the fourth round matches today appears to be Noskova, who knocked out Igor Fiontek up against Fidelina. Were you, were you stunned by that result, or you'd seen again that Igor looked a little bit vulnerable here at Melbourne Park, given Daniel Collins had her on toast there a couple of rounds earlier? Yeah, well, I mean, she just hasn't bound to produce her best tennis here. But I just, I think it also goes to show she's uh, become an incredible world number one. But, you know, I never thought she was probably going to be this dominant, stay there forever uh, world number one. She can still have the slip-ups uh, in the slams because, you know, these girls are really good players underneath. They're, they're so keen. When you're number one, they hunt you hard. And that can, you know, expose some things in the Sviantec game. I mean, she's... So diligent the way she works, full-time psychologist, you know, mind, uh, just ticking along at a million miles an hour. Um, you know, she's obviously a sensational player, but she's beatable, which is so encouraging for the rest of the field. But it's been like that in the women's yeah. game, apart from the dominance of Serena. We've seen many get to number one, but not be able to hold that for, um, you know, a long period. Although she had a good stint as uh, number one, but yeah, Sabalenka and her, I think are going to, probably swing back and forth, um, you know, jockeying for that number one ranking. Just quickly before I let you go, BP, the women's is interesting now because Sabalenka and Coco Goff look the standouts but can't play each other in the final. They're on track to play each other in the semis. Uh, who do you like out of those two? And given that can't be the final, who do you like on the other side to, to make it all the way through? Look, I think today, you know, uh, if we get a Azarenka, Spitalina... Uh, quarter, uh, which I think on paper we probably will. Um, you know, the form of Azarenka is rewinding the clock. Mm. 34, as high as, as driven as she ever has been, as that fierce young girl that won two Australian Opens um, that uh, got everyone standing up and taking notice. And Svitolina's made the best return to the mums the last couple of years. So, you know, either one of those. I think Azarenka's a real dark horse to get through to the final. Yeah, Coco Sabalenka. I mean, they're both just blitzing their opponents. Absolutely whitewashes in the last first few rounds. You know, Coco's grown enormously. US Open winner. She looks fitter uh, since New York uh, last year. Tightened up the forehand, uh, which was the um, the weakness. And Sabalenka's still prone, Jules, as good as she has been. I mean, after she won the Australian Open last year, she didn't get past the semis of the other majors. She got tight. Um, the serving yips came back a little bit and it just sort of fell apart, which it can for Sabalenka, who's highly emotional, as we know. 
Um, so I, I fancy Coco, to be honest, if those two do match up. I think she's playing superb tennis. Her court coverage is uh, brilliant. Beautiful, BP. Uh, enjoy the day. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Jules. Pleasure.